2: Thursday, December 8th, 2022, and it is indeed a heck of a morning live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. You can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Heck. Hope everyone's having a fantastic week. Hope you're having a great Thursday. We are on the eve of Bellator 289. We are on the eve of the eve of the UFC's final pay-per-view event of 2022, which is UFC 282. Vacant light heavyweight title on the line in the main events between Jan Blachowicz and Magomed and Goliath. As always, and especially now, a lot to talk about in the world of MMA, and this is why we gather in here. Depending on where you're at in the world, sometimes in the afternoon, sometimes in the evening, sometimes it's super early in the morning, and I appreciate all of you joining us. So if you have questions you want to ask, you have thoughts on your mind, bring them here. And we'll just let it all out. We'll discuss them like nice little human beings. And uh, we'll do the best we can here. We'll go for about an hour. It's a very busy day, honestly, obviously, with everything going on with the two events coming up this weekend. We got the World MMA Awards coming up tonight. BTL coming up at one it will not be a typical BTL this week. We will go live at 1 p.m. Eastern, but it's just going to be myself and Jed Mishu running our mouths. That's all we're going to do. We're just going to do what we did for the Thanksgiving show, but we're going to do a live on video, in video form. Hit record, go live, and just talk about MMA and all the big stories going on. So that's going on 1 p.m. Eastern. But that's 1 p.m. Eastern. Right now, it is a heck of a morning. Let's hear what you have to say. We will start with Double A. Maybe. There he is. Hello, Double A. Hello, hello. Good, how are you? I'm
3: all right, mate. I'm all right. Um, I've got a question about Bryce Mitchell. He made some... He made some comments uh, recently. Uh, I believe... No! Um, one, he said that when he beat Edson, that quote-unquote, no one gave a shit. And he also said that this win over Ilya Taporia won't do anything to help his career. So I just want to know your thoughts on that and your thoughts on the stots Is it Sabatello, is that how you say it? Um, matchup in the Bellator event. Okay, that's it. Have a heck of a morning, Mike. Have a heck of a... Morning, everyone, and listening. You're awesome. Peace.
2: Double A always bringing the positivity to kick off the show, and I dig that. I the Bryce one's pretty interesting. I would say, like most of us in this space right now, would consider Bryce Mitchell beating Ilya Taporia a pretty big deal. I. I think the Edson win did something for him. I think it opened up a lot of people's eyes. I mean, the results of that fight and how that fight went was not surprising to me. Because I said, I think on our preview show and even on the People's Pre-Fight show before that fight happened, I picked that exact result. I thought Bryce was just going to dominate. This fight would not be competitive at all. And that Bryce would probably go out there and 30-26 Edson Barbosa. And that's exactly what he did. One thing that did kind of open up my eyes is that Bryce was able to strike with that Zimbarboza. He was not afraid to chuck hands with them. Of course, most of that led to takedowns and ground control and everything Bryce Mitchell typically does in a fight. But he's real good. He's real good. This fight's awesome. This is the best fight on the entire card. This is a hardcore fan's delight. I know Patty wants to say that his fight's the people's main event, and he's probably not wrong when it comes to just the casual audience buying into the UFC product. But the best fight on this card, and it's not even a debate, is Bryce Mitchell versus Ilya Taporia. For all of us, if Bryce goes out there and just dominates Ilya, that's going to mean a lot. That's going to mean a lot. Now, to the casual audience, people outside the MMA space, will it be on SportsCenter or anything like that? Maybe. But they're not going to be talking about Bryce Mitchell in like the first 15 minutes of SportsCenter because he beat Ilya Teporia. But to all of us, that's a massive win. And same thing with Ilya. If Ilya goes out there and beats Bryce Mitchell, it's a very big win for him. These are two undefeated studs at 145 pounds. It's kind of unfortunate that they're fighting each other at this point in their careers, but the way this division looks like right now, you kind of have to do it. So I love this fight. I, Like I said, I think it's the best fight in the entire card. And I think Iliad Tapori is going to win, but it would not shock me if Bryce Mitchell won this fight. Because Bryce is just a machine. The guy's gas tank is unbelievable. Even if he goes like 0 for 11 in his first 11 takedown attempts, he's going to keep going for him. He's not going to get tired. But the striking exchanges will be fun. And Iliad can wrestle too, and he can grapple his ass off. I know a lot of people just look at Iliad more so because he's knocking dudes out, but... God, I love this fight. I can't wait to see it. I'm picking Ilya to win, but I have no confidence in that whatsoever. As far as Stott Sabatello goes, everything on paper tells me Rafael Stott should win this fight. But I can't go against what I've been saying for months now. I mean, even before the Grand Prix officially kicked off and we had the exit of James Gallagher and we had the exit of Sergio Pettis. I went, on a Bell- I went on the Bellator zone and I predicted that Danny Sabatello would not only win his wild card matchup, but he would win the whole damn thing. And I was kind of hoping with my bold prediction that this matchup with Stotts wouldn't come this quickly, but it's here. The build to it has been incredible. It's been built up for like eight months now. And here we are. We're finally going to see it. So. If I had to like make an official pick and like my life depended on it, I'm probably picking Rafi on Stotz, but I can't go against the gimmick now. I picked Savvy, Danny Sabs to win the entire Grand Prix back in April, so I'm going to stick with that. Uh, I do think Stotts has way more ways to win this fight, but the one thing Sabatello does exceptionally well, he does exceptionally well. So the first 10 minutes of this fight, to me, are going to determine everything. If Stotts just comes out and drops Sabatello a couple of times and he's up 2-0 in dominant fashion, it's going to be a hard road to climb. But if Sabatello can win the first round, if he could somehow get uh, get Stotts down, hold him down, control him, and steal one of the first two rounds, I think he's got a great chance to win this fight. The biggest question I have in this fight is what happens if this fight goes to the fourth and fifth rounds. How is Stotts' gas tank going to hold up compared to Sabatello's? Because Sabatello's is not going away. It's just going to keep getting stronger and stronger. The dude doesn't get tired. How will Stotts handle it if this fight is competitive through the first 15 minutes? It might not be. Stotts might just come out and just crush him. Not Wouldn't be a surprising result. Stotts by far is the better striker. But Sabatello is just so good at getting people down. And once you're down, it's very difficult to get back up. And even if he does get back up, that's going to take its toll throughout a 25-minute fight. Love it. I cannot wait to see it. Does it have the potential to be somewhat of a stinker if my prediction rolls true? Yes, but Sabatello don't give two craps about that. He just wants to win and shut some people up.
4: Bobby, hello. Hey, good morning, Mike. How are you? Good. How are you? Well, speaking of Bellator, uh, I know it's an AK thing, but what kind of gymnastics score would you give it um, to invoke your chaos clause? How funny will Bryce Mitchell post-fight interview be with Joe Rogan? And lastly, uh, it's clear that Patty is now a favorite of Dana White after this week. So if he gets a big win on saturday with the announcement of ufc 286 i believe going in london you see him getting a big fight there thanks have a heck of a morning
2: thanks man um bellator card gymnastic scale this gymnastic scale is obviously different than the ufc's but for a bellator card I'll give it like an 8.5. I think. I mean, I think this is a solid lineup. Even the prelims are good. I mean, there's typical Bellator prelim fights where there's – and there's typical fights on this card where there's a guy who's like a minus 12,000 favorite and is going to perform as such. But, man, the top three fights are all real good. Scott Sabatello, good fight. Carmouge Velasquez, rematch that needed to happen. The best fight on this card is probably the other semifinal fight between Magomed Magomedov and Patchy Mix. Love that fight. Dalton Ross is going to just beat Anthony Adams. Just look at the betting lines. That's what's going to happen. I love the Holtz Giovanni fight. Crush for Jaleel Willis is a good little step up. I like that one. We'll see how Cody Law bounces back. Kai Kamaka, Kevin Boehm, they're just going to beat the shit out of each other until somebody falls down. Mark Leminger in a must-win situation. Pat Downey is just going to do Pat Downey things. And I was saying this on a podcast I was on earlier this week. This CBS card that they're putting together, Pat Downey needs to be on the main card. He needs to be on the main card. The dude is green as grass when it comes to MMA, but he is a personality, he has a story, and he's one of those no gray area fighters. You either like this guy, and you like everything he brings to the table, you love the controversy that he has brought throughout his combat career or you just hate this guy's guts and he'll make you go one way or the other. There's no middle ground Pat Downey, but Pat's a star Pat's a potential star for them. He really could be a star for them. So he's the kind of guy you have to put on these bigger cards to just introduce him to the public. Uh, But he's just going to kill Christian, Christian Eccles. He's going to go out there and finish him in the first round. And then Jared Scoggins, trying to get his first Bellator win against spell. It's a good card. It's a good card. And the Patty thing, look, I'm not going to get into the stupidity of that whole thing with Ariel and all the lies because I don't need to say anything. Ariel spent an hour just showing receipts, and it was just a whitewashing from a verbal perspective from Helwani uh, to both, all three of them, to Patty, Graham Boylan, Dana White, all of them got it. And I have a feeling Ariel probably could have gone a little harder in the paint if he wanted to, but he chose not to. Um, but yeah, he's probably in the, the better graces of Dana White after that podcast. And Dane is not an idiot. He understands the type of star power that Patty can bring to the table. I don't know what they're going to do. Honestly, I don't know what they're going to do. If I had the guy, if I was the guy with the magic pencil, I'm throwing Patty in there with like Jalen Turner next if he beats Jared Gordon. Cause I want to, I need to know, I need to know how good this guy is. This isn't, this isn't a division where you can just, I mean, it's the UFC and it's Dana. So they could do whatever the hell they want in all honesty. But to me, if Patty beats Jared Gordon, that's, that's a pretty good win. Like that's, that's the best win of his career. If he wins on Saturday. But I, I need to see how good he is. Like at that point, if he beats Jared, it's it's shit or get off the pot. Time is this guy the real deal or not? And Jared's a very, a good fighter, but he's not. He's not that guy. The throwing him in there with a Turner or Grant Dawson or and I think he got, threw, threw some shade at Grant Dawson too, for being honest uh, at the media day. One of those guys, Armin Sarukian, somebody like that. I mean, it's not a, a great matchup if you're a Patty fan. But at the same token, we get questions answered. We do the same thing we do with Molly. Like, is is she just going to be somebody that all fans like or most fans have a reaction to? Or is this fighter going to be someone who challenges for her title? So I want to know. I, if he beats Jared Gordon, I want to know. I want to know how good he is. And if he beats Jared, I feel like I've completely underestimated Patty Pimblett and didn't give him the credit he probably deserved. I know he's saying people don't respect him. I respect him as a competitor. I respect anybody who gets in there and fights. Uh, I just don't think his level of competition has been that great. And the ones that he has fought who were solid hands, like really solid hands, he didn't beat. So we'll see how he does with Jared. We'll see how Jared handles the spotlight. And But that's what I would do. I'd throw him in there with, a Turner, a Sarukian, an Isma Guloff, a Grant Dawson, somebody like that. And we'll just see who separates from the pack. Cause even if you're even if you do that and Turner or Dawson or one of those guys wins, that's huge for them. That gives them a boost. They get to kind of ride off up the ladder rungs of the division based on beating Patty Pimblett. That's a very big deal. And for Patty, he's gonna get a reaction. Some people are gonna talk some crap about him losing. But at the same token, you just get him back there in London and and do it again. Now, do I think he's going to fight on that London card? I don't know. I think if – because Patty's even said at the media day, I want to be – my next fight, I want to be a fight night main event. I want to headline a card next if if I beat Jared. So, But I don't know if he'll want to turn down London. I think if he loses, he's definitely going to fight on that London card. But if he wins, he's got options. And we'll see what happens. I have no idea how to predict that fight right now. Let's go to JD. Hello, JD. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I am fantastic. Missed seeing you at
5: Orlando. It was awesome. I'm personally really happy with Kevin Holland's performance. Uh, I know that he did everything that he could to make sure it was an entertaining fight. Um, still my favorite fighter, but dude, the, the takeaway with the night is Sergei Pavlovich. Uh, I think he knocks out everyone that he could possibly see. I mean, we, had, we were really close to the cage, and I was able to see Ty's face in real time change, and, dude, that was insane. So, uh, yeah, that's all I really got. Uh, thanks for everything you do. You're like the hardest-working guy in MMA media. Peace.
2: Thank you for the kind words. I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> yeah, Sergey Pavlich is a freaking monster. He's he's for real, for real. I had questions about that fight. I didn't know if he would be able to hurt Ty in the first round, and I didn't. And I thought Ty could weather the storm and possibly win, but it didn't happen. Sergey just beat his ass, and for fifty-five seconds or however, less than a minute, and Ty looked like a mess. It's just crazy how the, the body works sometimes when you get into a fist fight, even if it just takes 50 something seconds. But golly, this guy's a problem. This guy's a big problem. This heavyweight division is just kind of a mess right now. So I don't even know what you, what you do with the guy. I don't know where he sits in the overall landscape of all of this. I don't know. I don't know. Cause he, he's definitely in that, in that mix right now. He's, it was a top four and now it's like a top five with Sergey in there. It's in it's Jones, Cyril gone, Curtis blades. And now we have Serge Sergei Pavlovich, who is a big, big problem. This guy's good. He's fast. He hits really, really hard. A lot to like, a lot to like about this guy, which like to see his personality get a little bit more open. I'd like to see him learn a little bit more English. Um, if he doesn't, I don't care. It's a, but in terms of just getting him over as a potential star, these are things he probably has to do. But I mean, if you go out there and just keep Bolton dudes in the first round, he can make a pretty good living off of being the hated fighter who beats all your favorites, knocking out Derek Lewis, knocking out tied to Ibasa dude's just going to get booed every time he fights. And there is actual money in that, whether he speaks English or not. So great performance, Dude's a problem. I actually think he leapfrogged Curtis Blades in this discussion. I think I'd love to see Pavlovich versus Cyril gone next. Sucks for Curtis, but that's just the way that it is right now. People are going to remember Sergey's finish of to Tuibasa more than Curtis Blades getting an injury TKO win over Tommy Aspinall. We'll see how the UFC handles this. See what happens with Benganu. We'll see what happens with John Jones. We'll see what happens with all of this, because heavyweight's fun. Heavyweight's fun again. How about that?
0: The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down.
1: and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's only a kick.
0: A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Adidas.
2: Let's go to cryptocurrency and then we'll go to Fito next. Hello, crypto.
6: <clears throat> how are you doing? Good? Yes, how are you? Good. Except, of course, very disappointed in uh, Paddy Pimlet. I mean, I, I've lost most of my respect uh, for him. Uh, just a uh, really, really disgusting thing to, to do against Ariel. Um, so I actually I love your ID, Mike. Let's give him uh, a I think that would be wonderful. That would stop the Paddy Pimba train uh, right away. I think enough is enough. Uh, if he wins this weekend, give him Sarukyan. Let's do that fight. And let's see how, how good Paddy really is. Because I'm, uh, to be honest with you, I mean, the hype train around Paddy is mostly about his haircut and partly because of his personality. If you look at his fights, Mike... Uh, look at, for example, the first fight he had had in the UFC against uh, what's his name? Vendramini, or I don't remember his name. Yeah. I mean, he, to be honest with you, he got rocked. I mean, Paddy's defense isn't amazing. And of course, he went out there, he just wanted to throw punches, but still, come on, let's, I mean, people are just raising this guy to the skies without him actually yet being a fighter that has been proven, but yeah, anyway, so Mike, I actually want to continue this discussion about Pavlovich because my question is, I mean, I honestly think that we won't see Stipe Miocic again. I've, I, there's just something off about this. I mean, he's been away for so long. He hasn't fought. I mean, in March, it will be like two years or something. We know that he has been offered fights, Uh but for some reason, the fight uh, against John Jones hasn't happened, and so on. So I think Steep is out of out of the question. So, actually, what about just doing a complete uh, mix up in, in in this title fight? And if Francis resigns, put Pavlovich right away against Francis. I mean, that would be the most amazing fight ever. I'm honestly and and. Listen, I I admire everything that John Jones has done and looking forward towards seeing him returning to to the octagon. But, I mean, just seeing Pavlovich, a guy that has been past the first round, Mike, three times out of 18 fights, 15 of those fights have finished in the first round. And just seeing how that type of matchup would would look like against Francis, that would be amazing. Uh, So... Actually, after seeing him, I would be even inclined to to actually say that Pavlovich, Francis and Gano is the fight to make. Uh, Stipe, I think, is out of the question. And then the question then is maybe we want to see uh, John Jones maybe against Blades. I don't know. Uh, what's your take on that?
2: Thanks, man. Look, we're going to get there, I think, at some point, but it's no, no, you can't do it now. And, and look, I'm very impressed with Sergey Pavlovich, there's no doubt about it. But let's, let's, let's pump the brakes a little bit. Let's pump the brakes a little bit. Here's his UFC career gets stopped by Alistair Overeem in the first round in his first UFC fight. Beats Marcelo Golm, who is not in the UFC anymore. Beats Maurice Green, who's not in the UFC anymore. Beats Shamil Abdurahimov, which is basically the gateway to Derek Lewis. Everyone's been knocking him out lately. Chris Dacus knocked him out. No disrespect to Chris Docus but come on. He knocks out Derek Lewis, who has overexceeded expectations in a lot of ways. And then he knocked out Tai Tuivasa, a guy who has clearly overexceeded expectations in a lot of ways. So while I... I would love if the UFC went that direction. I'm not going to argue with it, but I got to see more. I need to see him fight a Blades or a Gone next. And if he beats one of those guys, he's undeniable at that point. But Derek Lewis and Tai Tuivasa, we love them both. We love them both so much. They're just they're fun. They're fan favorites. They're great on the mic. Shoeys are done. Lots lots happen. A lot happens with those two guys from a personality perspective. But when we're looking at the best heavyweights in the world, like in the entire world, the fact that Tai Tuivasa at one point was a top five heavyweight is just incredible. Never did I think we would see that day. He got there. He earned it. No doubt about it. But I need to see more. I need to see more. Give me one more. Give me one of those fights against Blades, or if they could do Stepe, that'd be great. And I think that would actually be a pretty good fight for Stepe right now. I don't think he'd win, but I think... If Stipe is like, you know what? I miss fighting. I think Sergey's probably the fight for him because then he's undeniable. But, yeah, I got to see one more before I'm ready to chuck him in there with Francis and have him jump over Gunn and Blades and Jones and all those guys. Got to see a little bit more. But from what I've seen, he's damn good. He's scary. He's going to be a player. Let's go to Fido. I hope I got that right. Hello.
5: What's up, my man? Yeah, you did. I had just... Um... You know, a couple questions for you, but I guess I should start off first. I think a lot of questions are going to be answered about Rojas, the, the young kid, after this fight. But I guess before the fight, before he fights, how high are you on this kid? Uh,
2: do you have anything else? Yeah, I, I the other thing was um,
5: about like the goat discussions. You personally, when you talk about the number one guy. Do PEDs get taken into account or
2: or no? Thanks, man. Um, not really. I don't know. I understand why some people w- would take that out of the equation and some people have like two different lists. To me, John Jones is the best fighter ever until I see otherwise. I know he's kind of slowed down with age and the fights at 205, but to me, he's the best. He's the most talented fighter I've ever seen. There's no doubt about it. So he's the the greatest I've ever seen. Doesn't mean he's the greatest of all time, like, as a whole. But, again, it's all based on taste and what you look for and and all that. But to me, it's John Anderson Silva's up there. I know he suffered some losses down down the stretch, but doesn't take away what he did before that. Uh, And even the fights he lost down the stretch. Like, he wasn't getting the doors blown off of him. He had some freak injuries. The Adesanya fight was, I mean, it was a little weird, but it was still somewhat competitive. Even the Uriah Hall fight was competitive until it wasn't, until the fight was over. So obviously GSP's in there, and there's there's others, but I understand why some people take the PEDs out of the discussion. I totally get it. As far as Raul Rosas Jr. goes, I'm very high on the kid. I was high on him before he got the contender series call. The dude is real good. Dude is real good. He's fought some pretty good guys. I thought his contender series fight was super impressive because he fought a pretty solid hand. Like, he fought a good dude. Mando Gutierrez is a good fighter. And he just ragdolled him. He ragdolled him. And Mando showed some good skills in trying to keep the fight going, let it go the full 15. But I love the matchmaking here, too. Like, I really love the matchmaking because Jay Perrin's a dog. And... Even if Raul Roses wins those first two rounds, Perrin's going to be right in his face, man. We saw it in, his, in Perrin's last fight. I've watched Jay Perrin fight for years. He got his UFC shot. Didn't think he'd ever get it, at least in his eyes. He got it. And this is a big fight for him. It's probably do or die for him. And I love the matchmaking because Perrin's going to go right after him. He's got no fear. He doesn't care that he's fighting an 18-year-old. They got some beef. Rosas is good it's just a matter of you're an 18 year old kid. You're still a senior in freaking high school. And now you're going to fight in front of 17,000 people in Las Vegas on ESPN. I mean, this is, this is a lot. It's a lot of pressure on an 18 year old. His skills are real good. He's only going to get better. I do have concerns about the spotlight and just the overall experience of it all, but skill for skill, he should beat Jay Perrin, but I'm very high on the kid. And even if he loses who cares? If he loses this fight who cares? He's going to be fine. He talks a lot. He talks a lot. He says he throws up some some pretty bold statements, but good on him. I thought he stole media day with the the Santa Claus rebuttal yesterday. I thought it was fantastic. So, yeah. Of of all the prelim fights, that's probably the one I'm most interested in to see how this kid responds to all of it. But skill-wise, Damn, this kid's real good. His grappling is incredible. His striking's getting better. And he's only 18. So wait till he's like 25. Wait till like six, seven years from now. Holy smokes. He's going to be a giant problem. I'm going to try to get to everybody. I love everyone jumping in here. Henderson, hello. I love the fact that
4: I was supposed to fight the November. <sighs> How are you?
5: Doing good. I called last week. I said, Wonderboy looked good. I said he was going to make it happen, and he did. And that was really great to see, especially since my uh, other MMA heroes, Frank Yeager, Jose Aldo, all been going down hard. So it was nice to see. And uh, I just have a bit of a, a semi-Wonderboy prediction for the future while, while we're still kind of thinking about him. I think his move right now needs to be to try and set up a fight in the like future sometime with Leon Edwards. And I think he's obviously thinking about that because Leon has the belt. But even if he doesn't have the belt at that time, I think that would be a great matchup. It's just a really fun fight, whatever. So I think next he should go for either Masvidal or Michelle, and try and get that win and then just try and wait out that Usman-Leon title fight. And if Leon loses, he'll be looking for a fight in the top 10. That's a perfect matchup. Do it. And if Leon doesn't lose and he has the belt, who better than Wonderboy to challenge for the belt one last time? So I think that would be sick. And uh, my other prediction, real quick, is uh, I'm a big Ilya fan. I think he's gonna beat Bryce Mitchell. I think he's he's bigger than Bryce Mitchell. He's fought up a weight class and and won. Uh, his grappling's really underrated and his his power's crazy. So I think he wins this fight. And then my prediction for him is that in 2023, we're probably, well, I wouldn't say probably, but maybe we're going to see the first UFC card in Spain, and he can headline that. They got Joel Alvarez. There's a Spino. There's a couple fighters from Spain. And, and you know UFC loves to break into those new markets. Okay, so just want to know what you think about that prediction for Wonderboy and Ilya. Thanks, man. Bye. Thanks, man.
2: Thanks, man. I'm, I'm picking... I'm picking Ilya to win too. But again, I have no confidence in that pick because Bryce is an animal, man. He's such an animal. And you could feel how ever you want about what he actually says when he opens his mouth. But when he's in that cage, man, he is a problem. That gas tank, that pace, it's hard to match, man. It's very hard to match. But I think Ilya, I think Ilya's just got more. I think he's got more. I think he's a great striker knockout artist his grappling's really good too his defense has to be on point though because if he gets on his back it's going to be a rough night for him it's going to be a rough night bryce is super good at controlling people on the ground and he doesn't get tired that's the scary thing about him and that's a lot of these fighters who are on the come up that's 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 a big attribute that they have is they just they put on a pace They just chain wrestling over and over again, and they don't get tired. It's very scary, but I love that fight. I've said, like I've said, it's the best fight on the card. And if you're Wonderboy, I think Mazdal is the perfect fight. The problem is, and it just, it stinks because every time Wonderboy fights, he gets banged up, breaks a hand or breaks two hands, and we don't get to see him consistently. He's not a guy we're going to see fight three times a year. We rarely see him fight twice a year anymore. It's just because he puts everything into these fights Gets injured, and then he's out for like eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 months. And it's just like, ah, oh, man, we like forget about him in a way. But if timing can line up, if let's just say Wonder Boy's hand is not as, is, I mean, it's gonna, it's broken, but let's just say it's not as bad as we think. And he can fight in the first half of 2023. Him and Mazadal is the way to go. 100%. One guy's gonna, Creep up towards one last title shot, and one guy is probably out of the title picture forever. So I love that fight. They do Pereira, that's fine. I, I mean, I, I love the Pereira fight before this Holland fight. I don't love it now. It's just from a meritocracy perspective. Like if if the the goal here is to get Wonderboy into the best possible position to get to a title fight one last time, I don't love the Pereira one. I don't love it. I love the fight as a whole. Like, Wonderboy loses his next fight, and you want to do Pereira after that? Sign me the hell up. Or Pereira goes out there and gets a good opponent and just styles on him? Cool, do it. But I just feel like Wonderboy's a little bit ahead. I'd watch the hell out of the fight, no doubt about it. But if I had my choice, if I had my druthers, we're going all. I think that one makes the most sense. Let's go to Jack. Hello, Jack. Jack, are you there? Oh, I got you. How are Good. you?
3: Good. Thanks for asking. Uh, just had two uh, maybe quick questions for you today. The first one about the Patty situation, but perhaps a different angle. I see most people talking about Patty, Ariel, and Dana, but the person I wanted to ask about is Graham Boylan. Uh, just how terrible is this guy? Uh, it seems like they're doing the cage warriors thing where he basically owns their entire contract only allows them to leave to the UFC and then signs them unfavorable contracts and continues to be their manager. So just wanted to get your opinion on uh, (laughs) what is this guy up to and should he continue to do it? Should he be allowed to do that? And then the last thing I wanted to ask is about basically the difference that was brought up in that situation between being a journalist and not necessarily a content creator, but maybe a media personality. I think the MMA fandom tends to really dislike a lot of the true journalism that happens in the sport and i feel like a lot of the personalities are more personalities than journalists but i wanted to hear from the media side uh what you thought of that so heck of a morning to you and yeah thanks
2: thanks man so i've talked about Graham on the show before um so i'm not gonna go back into all that again but I agree with Ariel and a lot of what he said about, about that whole situation. So I'll, I'll kind of leave it at that. I don't think that it should be allowed to do that where promoters of organizations are able to kind of control fighters and have to almost essentially be forced to like manage fighters. If they get a UFC deal, I don't like that. I don't like how we can play promoter and manager at the same time. I mean, there's, there's plenty of examples of this. I just don't, I, I don't know. I'm just not a fan of it. And here's the thing it, it, that I'll agree with Ariel with as well. None of this is like all of these talks and, and every time we brought this up, it had nothing to do really with Patty as a fighter or anything. This is about getting a guy who has, feel how you must about this guy. This guy has done the damn thing. He's gotten himself over in a big way. He got an opportunity. He's made the most of it. He's got people bought in. The dude sells tickets. I mean, he is he's not a big table star just yet, but he's getting there. And it ain't Graham who got him there. This is him. He did it all by himself. Graham's along for the ride. Helped facilitate a deal with the UFC. But all of this is him. All of this is him. I don't think for one second that Graham Boylan called Barstool and was like, hey, I got this guy Patty. You might like him. No, Patty did that on his own. Patty's performances and the way he conducts himself is what got him that Barstool deal. Same with Molly McCann. Same with Molly McCann. To say that like Graham got him those deals, I mean, maybe he did behind the scenes. I just don't know. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. And all we've wanted with the whole thing is just Patty deserved more money. He just deserves more money with everything he's done. He deserves more. And that was the whole thing. We just wanted him to get paid more money. I don't think that's that big of a problem. Now, on the other hand, with the journalists and content creators and reporters and personalities and all that stuff. This is a great question. And I actually, like, I had a conversation with my wife about this maybe a week ago. And she was basically like, How do you describe what you do? And I would say, like my job title is a multimedia producer, which means I will do videos, I'll do podcasts, I'll do on site stuff, I'll do writing. I, I'm basically the utility, I call I tend to be a utility player. Like wherever I'm needed, I'm in. If somebody calls out that does this, tag me in, I'll do that. Like if I need to run this, I'll run it. Like I'm the I'm the team player. I am Tony Phillips for old school baseball fans. If you need me to play right field, I'll play right field. You need me to play short, I'll play short. You need me to pitch a couple innings, I'll warm up my arm. That's what I'll do. But I would say I'm probably more on the
4: personality
2: side of everything. Like I feel like that's where I'm best suited, is in these roles. Now Like, do I consider myself, like, a flat-out journalist? I guess, in some ways. But, like, it's probably the content first. And then, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Like, I'm more known, obviously, for the content. Have I done journalistic things? Of course. Have I gone out and gotten, like, not-so-great answers to stories? Yes. Am I digging deep into this James Krause thing? You bet your ass I am. And it's a weird thing for me because all, especially this Kraus thing, I'm just glad I work where I work. I'm glad I work with the team that I have because a lot of the stuff that, you know, I've been told on the record, off the record about this Krause stuff, like it's a little overwhelming and I don't know how to navigate those waters sometimes, but luckily I have great people on my team. Steven Morocco to me is at worst top three, best investigative journalism journalists in the sport this guy ain't afraid to ruffle any feathers I'm not either but I also I'm more of the content guy like I got this job not because I am a wonderful journalist and I get my hands dirty like I can get my hands dirty if I need to but that's not why I've gotten where I'm at so in the ice cream Sunday of my job the cookies and cream ice cream is me hosting shows and guiding the ship because to me, it's not, people don't come to MMA fighting and come to things that I do. Like they come, like if you guys want my opinion on stuff, you come here. But if you want to just, if you want somebody to guide a show and have the personalities that I work with shine, I'd rather do that. I'd rather host a show and let Jed go do his thing, get AK on camera, do his thing, get my colleagues over. I'd rather do that. But it's nice to have the space where I can do that as well. But if I need to go get my hands dirty and ask questions and call people, I'll do it too. But there is a difference. I get that. Like there's, there's people who are just great journalists. Like Kareem Zidane is just, he's the man. He's unbelievable. And there's others like that. Marco Mundi's great. Uh, like I said, Steve Morocco's great. They're better suited for that than I am. Um, but maybe like a multifaceted reporter slash journalist. I don't know. My resume, like my, I have like 800 job titles just kind of molded into one. And I like that. I like that. But I love the question. There is a difference. And there's a lot of people out there who will say, look, I've never ever once said I was a journalist. Because once you wear that hat in any way, like there's certain things you have to abide by. Like you can't cheer for fighters. You can't, like drink at events that you're covering. You can't do certain things. You can't, like Ariel said, you can't, like, I would never pay anybody a dollar to do an interview with me, ever. I don't care who it is. I honestly don't care. I'm not paying for anybody. So I get that. Maybe there are some who do. And then if that's the case, cool. You're just not a journalist and that's fine. We can't all be all things. There's certain journalistic integrities that you have to deal with like you can't take gifts from promotions. You can take food, like if you go cover a UFC event and they give you food, that's fine, but if they're like if a promotion says like, "Hey, we'll pay for you to come travel to an event. Like, we'll put you up at a hotel, like we'll do everything just cover our event and you say yes, that's a red flag. You can't do that. You can't do that because then you you're in a position where you, where you it's almost like you owe the promotion so you have to walk a fine line. You have to walk a fine line with that stuff. But the journalism side, the digging deep, the getting dirty, I've done it. I'll continue to do it. I'm not great at it. It's probably one of my weaker skills. Um, but again, I'm pretty good at getting information. I'm a pretty trustworthy guy. If someone says something to be off the record, it's off the friggin' record. 100%. But it's this, a lot of these stories and this year in particular has taught me, all right, there's holes in my game and I need to, and I need to fix them. I need to fix them or not, only, not really fix them, but I need, to, I need to improve upon them. Right now I'm like a C, I need to get it to like a B and then go from a B to an A. But it's a good question, it's a, there's a line in the sand between the two, that's for sure. Long story short.
0: With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
4: Michelle, hold on. hello. Hello, so I just my opinion on the um, Paddy, um situation. Just for context, I'm not a party fan. I can't stand him because some of the antics that he does on social media from his past. And I feel like um the US Like, he was sucking up to Dana because, obviously, he was there and he's his boss. And maybe it was a bit unfair to call Ariel out like that, considering the the history between him and Dana White. And the fact that um, Ariel came back and had receipts on what um, Paddy said in the past was very impressive. And I think, as well, if Paddy does win on Saturday, which, unfortunately, I think he will, I think the Iliad fight might be the way to go because of the history. Would they do that? No. Because, obviously, they're trying to push Paddy hard. And, obviously, Elia is a very good striker. And Paddy's defense is not very good. So, he probably would get chinned. So, yeah. That's my opinion. I just wanted your opinion on that Elia matchup, if it ever does get made. Thank you.
2: Yeah, they're not going to make that fight. They're not going to make it. Because there's there's multiple reasons why they're not going to make it. One of which, I honestly, I think Taporia like, destroys Paddy. But again, like even if Taporia wins, like, yeah, he gets his name over, but he's a featherweight. He's a featherweight. Now, if Taporia wants, is like, you know what? After this Bryce Mitchell fight, win or lose, you know what? I just don't want to cut to 45 anymore. I'm, I'm a lightweight. I'm a UFC lightweight moving forward. And you want to do that fight? Cool. Because whoever you match Patty up with in this division, it's got to be a win win. So either you use Patty's name to get one of these young guys over. Or Patty beats a really talented guy that the hardcore fans know is a really talented guy. And it helps get him over even more. That's why I loved. And I know a lot of pe- some people in this space, Ariel included, disagreed with me when I said I loved the Molly McCann-Aaron Blanchfield matchup. What happened that night at MSG was not a surprise. But what if Molly had beaten her? What if Molly had beaten her? Then she's a title contender. She's a title contender if she beats Molly McCann. You could have thrown her into a title fight right after that one. You could have done it. And it would have made like UFC promotional sense to do it. Yeah, she got bolted. She got destroyed. She got dominated. Blanchfield beat her up. It was a one-sided beatdown. 100%. But now when the UFC goes back to London, Molly's going to be on that card. They're going to give her a lower-level fighter. That she can beat, she will beat them, and then she will look like a star. The loss doesn't hurt her because Molly's not a title contender. And now we know that for sure. Molly's not fighting for the, for the women's flyweight title. She's not. And she doesn't need to. Much like Kevin Holland doesn't need to fight for titles. Derek Lewis doesn't need to fight for titles. Patty Pimblett doesn't need to fight for titles. They're just, pe- they're just fighters people want to see and they like. Or they don't like in Patty's case. Everyone loves Molly. Some people don't like Patty. Either way, he evokes emotion and people want to see what he's gonna do. So if you throw Patty in there with Sarukian or anybody else, like where do you get answers to these questions? Is this guy as good as he thinks he is? And if he is, all right, this that'd be a great thing for the UFC. You can build this guy into a title fight. And he's already planting those seeds. He's already planting the seeds. Did you hear him at media day yesterday? And I know he's in here right now because I'm looking right at his his little profile picture right here. But Patty was asked about the Islam Makachev Charles Oliveira fight, and he was he put Makachev over in a big way, and then he's he came out and he said it. In fact, that's how we headlined the video. I would have put up a better fight against Makachev than Oliveira did. I thought that was a pretty bold statement right there. But he said it. He's planting seeds. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't like the whole aerial thing. Clearly, I'll get to you in a second, Viking. But it's clear what it was. Because honestly, if there's anybody else on that podcast with Patty Pimblett. No, none of what Patty said in that podcast would have been said, hundred percent. Viking, hello.
7: Hey, hello, Mike. Hello. Is there Charles Oliveira on the feed? That's him. Okay, so if Charles Oliveira gets another title shot, then he should he should hire a mental coach because. Habib is going to play with his mind again, so that's for him and today I have no question but as you said the other night that you're going to join Jed on BTL and yes you're going to ask him about the main event and after that Ian Block is gonna be the eighty years old man who doesn't know how to strike, doesn't know how to wrestle or grapple, just became a champion by beating Dominic Reyes because Reyes was mentally disturbed because in his mind he beat John Jones and couldn't recover from that fight. And Ankalaev, Ankalaev has the best striking and power in the UFC. And even if he did not have any submission on his resume, but he's going to over-wrestle Yan. And even if Ankylao fights with uh, Hulk, Ankylao is going to smash Hulk. That's how Jet's going to address your question. I mean, uh, we watch your show and love you all like our brothers, because there's nobody in the competition with MMA fighting. The way you, the way you guys and your gang do stuff and shows, no other MMA website or YouTube channel or podcast are able to do. I'm, I'm pretty pretty. I'm hundred percent sure about that. And hats off to you. A lot of credit goes to you, Mike. Mm. Mm. And the other thing, I have asked so many questions to you. I mean, and after the question, the response came from you that made me think like this guy is a legit and talented, just like of effing pro. And sometimes I was not expecting such an accurate answer many on many occasions. But the other hand, this favorite is a man. I don't, have that thing. And fortunately that's not your cup of tea and that's it. And hats off to Ariel for exposing the blonde and the bald prostitutes of the UFC up front <laughs> last night. Thanks brother. Thanks man. Uh,
2: yeah. So BTL will just be me and Jed shooting the breeze for about an hour, uh, live at 1 PM Eastern. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I don't know if Jed's going to react in that same way when it comes to this main event. And here's why. Because I know that Jed hosts a gambling show. I haven't listened to it yet. I plan on listening to it later on today. But when Jed makes his betting picks, he watches a lot of tape. He goes back and watches old fights of both guys and tries to figure out how he's going to do things. I've come on this show for a week, many shows, and have been... Pretty confident that Magomed Ankle Life is going to just go out there and dominate Jan Blachowicz on Saturday. Matchup kind of tailor-made in a lot of ways. So I said to myself, you know what? I'm gonna look at this fight in a different lens. Like, am I missing something? Am I too confident in my the way I break this fight down? And then I went back and watched the tape. Went back and watched. Jan's, a few of Jan's old fights. Went back and watched some of Ankalaev's old fights, including the freaking Tiago Santos fight, which I did for all of you because I never wanted to watch that fight ever again, and yet I went back and watched that fight. Jan Bohovic has a much better chance in this fight than I thought he did. And the reason is, is that Ankolaev is very mistake-free, very well-rounded, He's good everywhere, but he hasn't really been in a dogfight. He's a, counter, he's a really good counter-striker. He's a, I think the best word to describe Magomed and Goliath is that he is a very patient man. He's very patient. He waits for his opportunities. He waits for his shots. And sometimes you're just going to fight a guy who has nothing to lose, and he ain't going to be that guy. So, I think Jan's got a chance, man. Like, he has a better chance than I thought. Is it, has it changed my pick completely? I don't know. But after going back and watching, I'm like, huh. The way Jan fights compared to have style, included, especially on the feet, Jan can get him. Like, Jan could get him. He fights closer than I thought it was. So, I'll leave it at that. Kat, you could jump back in. Uh, I'll, jump, I'll get to you after this next call if you want to jump back in. Uh, let's go to Francesco. Hello, Francesco. Are you there?
0: Sorry. Hey, guys. Uh, good morning. Sorry. Uh, first off, I want to say uh, Charles is the fucking man. Uh, uh, I love that guy. Uh, second of all, I'm glad that uh, you're, you're, you're going on the yawn train because yeah. I see a, a left-hand hook KO in, uh, in the <laughs> second round. Uh, On top of that, I'm riding with my boy Bryce Mitchell this weekend. He's going to get a big submission. And uh, we're both going to get finishes. But, uh, yeah, again, Charles is going to be a two-time champ. And uh, I watch every single one of his videos. He's the man. Thanks, guys.
2: Thanks, man. uh, I like the bold picks. I like the bold picks. I'm not on the Yon train, but I'm inching closer. Like, I'm at the train station. And I'm opening up my wallet, and I'm like, do I want to spend this money to buy a ticket? That's not where I was before. I hadn't even left the house earlier this week. And then I just watched a bunch of fights last night, and I was like, huh, this fight's actually closer than I think it is. So maybe I will. Maybe I will go over to that side by the preview show tomorrow. Who knows? Who knows? Hello Cat. how are you?
1: Good, how are you doing? It's nice to hear from you again. <clears throat> um, I just have a question uh, after Michael Johnson's win. I'm kind of excited to see his comeback streak. I just wanted to know what you think his path to top contender might look like, who are favorable matchups for him, and what we might see coming from him.
2: Yes, Michael Johnson, great win. If uh, you listened to the People's Pre-Fight Show, I predicted that Michael Johnson would win that fight. Uh just because I had a feeling that Jacasey wouldn't be able to get his takedowns going the way he typically has done to get to this point. And if that was the case, and this is a stand-up battle, this is bad news. Bad news for Mark Jacacy. Uh, Mark's still a pretty talented guy. I don't think this loss completely cripples him, but uh, it's a tough one. No doubt about that. Where does he go from here, though, is an interesting question. In my personal rankings, I have Michael Johnson like 44th in the division. It, some people might hear that and be like, oh, the disrespect. But it's also the Cadillac division, of the UFC, and guys that are ranked above him, I mean, they're just monsters. I don't know. I don't know what you do with them. There's two sides of the coin. You probably, my guess is they're going to put him in there with, an up-and-comer of some sort, like someone who's coming off of a win. I don't know. Maybe, like, I... Oh, man. It's tough. It's tough, because there's really no wrong answer to this. Maybe, like, a Mike Davis-type. Jamie Malarkey-type. Uh, no, they fought already. They just fought. Never mind. Doo-doo pick, Mike. Matt frivola someone in that range. Someone who's got a little bit of momentum going and kind of a litmus test to see, you know, are you a top 25 kind of a fighter? is not a bad one. Um, maybe throw Claudio Playas in there with him. See if he can bounce back. I don't know. No wrong answer to this, but I would guess it's probably a younger lesser-known guy coming off of a win to just kind of see how good they really are because Mike, michael's look good he's look good anthony hello J stat you're on deck and then uh we'll get to sv3 and jay
7: and then we get Yo, to go how, how anthony, good morning hello. man uh i just want to say uh i, don't know, I mean i i, I kind of seen patty and beef is like kind of seeing like
0: Two of my fucking buddies, Beef, and I feel like it was just a misunderstanding, but then, like,
5: he was just riding hard with his manager, and that was kind of weird as fuck, too, so, uh, fuck that,
0: I don't really care about that shit, but, uh, I think if Patty wins, you give him Moicano if he loses, which I don't think he will, but if he does, uh, you give him Clay Guida, and, um... I think the only fight to make from last weekend that I care about, and I should have said this last time I called in earlier this week, but uh, the only fight that I should be made from last weekend that I care about, RDA versus McGregor, and but uh, McGregor responded to everybody except for him, so I
4: kind of pooh the whole thing. Uh, what are your thoughts? Thank you. Have a good morning. Thanks, man. Don't think McGregor's gonna take that fight, and which it's,
2: it's smart on his part to not take that fight because I think RDA. Does RDA things to Connor, so no, I don't think a fight does much for him. We're the goal is to get Connor an exciting fight and the best chance to win. That's that's what the UFC's going to try to do here. So, yeah, I don't think with all the other options that are out there, I don't. I just I don't think RDA is the one. I will say this though, I love the Moicano Patty idea. That's a great call. That's a great frigging call. That might actually be the right answer. That might actually be the right answer. I love that idea. I love that idea. If Patty wins, I'm cool with Moicano. I love that fight. It's a great call. I'm with you. J Stat. Hello.
4: Uh, what what is next for Robert e. Lawler? I know he was supposed to be on
2: a card, but he he is off now. And my second question is, I want to see Clay Guida versus Jim Miller part two. Let's have you know some OGs throw down, and that, and
0: that's 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 about it. Uh,
2: thanks, man. Uh, Clay Guida, Jim Miller, yeah, why not? I mean, Jim Miller's got a fight booked. He's fighting. Mowgli Benitez on. That's in February, I think. February 18th. But yeah, win or lose, you could definitely do that. You could definitely do that fight. Yeah, I like that idea. But we'll see how. Who knows? Maybe something happens and Jim will need a new opponent and Clay can just slide right in there. Four-ounce sniper. Hello. Four-ounce sniper. You're muted. All right. Two times in a row, 4 on sniper. We're trying. We're trying. SV3, hello. SV3. You're hey, muted. I'll, hey, can you hear me? There we go. Got you. Yeah, I got you. Do you
5: you. guys see a path to victory for Jared Gordon this weekend? I mean, I think after this week, everyone wants Patty to lose. Like, everyone's kind of jumped off the bandwagon or whatever. Uh, Also, I think Michael Johnson versus Terrence McKinney would be a banger. So, that's all I wanted to say.
2: I like that fight as well. Uh, McKinney is booked. He's fighting at 283. Who's he fighting?
4: Who is he fighting? It... It's a good
2: fight. Uh Ismail Bonfim. That's who he's fighting. Uh in Rio, January 21st. So yeah, it's there. If Terrence wins, I I would watch the hell out of that fight. That'd be a good one. Is there a path to victory for Jared Gordon? Absolutely. He could definitely win. My my biggest concern with Jared is that will the spotlight be too much? And how will he react if the going gets tough late in the fight? Because I don't think, I don't think Patty's going to be able to do to him what Grant Dawson did to him. There's just, I just don't see it. I could be totally wrong, but I just don't see it. I just don't see a world where Patty just manhandles Jared Gordon and then up just gets a just a mercy stoppage, where he's just like, "All right, I've tortured you enough. You're done." So that's, that's my biggest – like, Jared could definitely win. Like, he is live as hell. But some fighters thrive when the pressure's on, and some are just like, shit, this is too much. And Jared seems to be handling this up pretty well. He's a wily vet. But this is the biggest spot of his career, 100%. Definitely the biggest spot of his career. He's been in there with Charles Oliveira, got knocked out. That was a tough. That was obviously a big spot, but this is close to home. He's the American taking on the Scouser, and he's going to get booed out of the building. Like Pat, I, when Patty said that at the media day, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. Patty's going to get cheered. Jared's going to get booed, and the energy with this fight is is interesting. Another interesting aspect to this is there's not a ton of trash talk here. This isn't your typical Patty fight where both guys are just doing a million interviews, just slamming the other verbally. It's not happening here. Has there been a little tit-a-tat? Sure, but respect both ways. And I'm curious to see how Patty handles that because most guys he fights, there's like a big rivalry and a big storyline attached to it. Not much here outside of just kind of good stuff. Putting a spotlight on men's mental health and, and different things like that, which I love. I think that's great. But... um I think Jared could definitely win. It's just a matter of can he can he hang in the spotlight? Will it become too much? But I don't know. I don't even know how I'm picking that one. I think Jared's got a chance, like a much better chance than the betting odds indicate. But we'll see. It's a good test for Patty. This is a perfect step up for him. This is a perfect step up for him.
4: Let's go to Jay. Hello, Jay. Hey, Mike. Are you with here? Yep, I got you. Okay, so I don't want to take up your time with the Patty and Sim, but the only thing I just wanted to say is this is a pretty clear example of how
0: the UC won't have a union for a very long time. And my next question is who do you think deserves, I mean, who do you think needs this win more for 282? Edmund
2: Shabazzian or Darren? So, right. thanks, Mike. Have a heck of a good morning, man. That's a great question. I think it's Darren Till by 100,000 miles, though. Shabazzian's still really young, and he got built up really fast, and the man performed, and, but he's been out for a while. He's coming in on three straight losses, so Shabazzian definitely needs a win, and they've given him the type of matchup that is pretty perfect, if we're being honest, because I'm not, taking, I'm not trying to take anything away from Dolce Langen, Langenbuka, but... Shabazi's better than him everywhere. Shibazi doesn't have to worry about this guy trying to take him down over and over again and trying to ground and pound him and try to submit him. These two guys are just going to stand there and strike and fight. And it's a huge step down in competition compared to the last few matchups for Shabazzian. And I've been talking to Eric Nixick pretty much off and on the entire time that Edmund has been at Extreme Couture. And Heard nothing but great things. Not just from the skill set perspective, but being a student of the game, listening, learning, evolving. So I think this will be like a, not like a y'all must have forgot performance, but it's going to be like the right kind of a bounce back performance. But Darren Till, man, Darren needs this so bad. (laughs) He needs this one so bad. And I don't think it's going to go very well for him. I could be wrong, but... How do I don't want to say this? I'm not gonna like I don't view this the same, I don't view Darren Till the same way like Jed does, where he thinks like Darren Till's a bad fighter, because I don't think he's a bad fighter, I think he's just he's a solid hand. But I think Darren Till has done a tremendous job of falling upwards, if you will. Because I mean, I have I mean this guy's gotten so many opportunities. He's gotten so many opportunities. I want to pull up. I gotta I, I just he hasn't fought that often. So I have to go and like just look at his look at his UFC resume. He's this is his 12th UFC fight, which is freaking crazy. So let's see. Finishes Wendell Oliveira, has a draw Nicholas Dalby, decision wins over Jessin Ayari and Bojan Velikovic. I'm sure we all know both of them very, very well. And then he knocked out Don Cerrone, which is probably his most memorable win ever. The decision win against Steven Thompson, which, let's be honest, he did not win that fight. Steven Thompson clearly won that fight. Um, that was some home cooking if I ever saw it. Then he gets the title shot. Tyron Woodley just completely destroys him. Mazadal knocked him dead. Gasolim, that one could have gone either way, if we're being honest. I actually thought Kelvin won that fight, but it wasn't one I'm going to go back and watch again. Whitaker, he actually looked pretty decent in. I actually think the Whitaker performance was the best performance of his career, even though he lost. And then just got run over by Derek Brunson. So, you know, in a world where judging is done the right way, for some for, for some aspects, we could be looking at a guy who is 0-6 in his last six fights. You could, There's a case to be made that that's what Darren Till is. And now he's fighting plus Duplessis, who I'm very high on. DDP is super fun. He's never in a boring fight. Will that catch up to him at some point? Possibly, but thus far it hasn't. Knocks out Marcus Perez. Knocks out Trevin Giles. Had a great war with Brad Tavares, but he beat up Brad Tavares pretty badly in that fight. Uh, but Brad was just so damn tough. This is a good test for both guys. And I'm just curious to see what Darren looks like. First fight in 15 months. He's obviously been training with Hamzad. He looks in tremendous condition, looks in great shape. He looks in great spirits, hungry. But this is it, man. Like, this is it. I don't know what you do with Darren if he goes out there and just gets melted on Saturday. I have no idea. So while I respect the question and I dig the take and both guys really need to win on Saturday, it's not even close. It's Darren Till. 100% Darren Till. We'll take two more. We'll go to Najib and then four on sniper. We'll try one more time and I got to go.
4: Najib, what's up, man? Hey, I think Darren Till gets fucked up, dude. This dude has not been the same, bro, in so long. Every, every, the time he spent outside the ring, the UFC has evolved like crazy. So, shit, I don't think Dude can keep up, to be honest. And Patty the Batty, you a baddie, fucking weasel for what he did to Ariel. He's a fucking weasel. The dude's kissing Dana White's ass. What's up with this guy?
2: Yeah. Not as uh not his best moment, but hey look. Sometimes I don't know. It's a terrible way to look at it. From a patty perspective, just because not not what you said, but it just it was just bad it was just bad. Like it just It was clear what he was doing. Like 100% clear what he was doing. He's like, Dana, Dana, let's have a laugh together. Like, it's exactly what it was. And it was so wrong. Like, I remember him. I remember him just just saying this. And, like, I I knew a lot of what Ariel was going to say, but I didn't know all of it. And some of what I knew, Ariel actually didn't say. So, this could, I mean, Ariel could have gone way harder, but he didn't. And I believe Arrow, when he says like if Patty like hits me up later today and says, all right, man, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Like I think Ariel would be like, all right, cool. We're good. And I'm the same kind of dude. Like there are certain, you know, we've, I've had issues with fighters in the past. I've had them and we've dealt with it. We've had phone calls and conversations and, and we dealt with it. And I've learned lessons a lot of the ways on oh, every single aspect. Uh, I ain't perfect. I've made mistakes too. Uh, I'm not saying Ariel made any mistakes, but I've had issues where I've had issues where I wasn't wrong about things, and fighters took things the wrong way, and then we talked it out, and it was all good. Like life is sh- short to deal with stupid bullshit. With stupid bullshit, and we talked about like the Cheyenne Elizabeth thing the other day, like. <laughs> I don't want it to be a thing. I don't care. All that was stupid. Um, it was what it was. I stand by everything that that happened with all that, but I don't have any issues with anybody. So I get where it was coming from. Like, this life's too short. We don't need to deal with this all the time. It's fucking stupid. Uh, 4 on sniper, do we have you for the love of God? The answer is no. All right. Lucky for you, John Jacob Rodriguez. You now get the last word. Perfect timing. JJR, how are you? Hello. What's up, buddy?
5: Okay, so I got a question. Um, what? Uh, it's more directly to your page. What do you, I know? Your page, of course, is for MMA uh com. But what does it represent and what do you promote? What do you mean? I mean, as in, okay, I know that you promote fighting or not promote, but showcase fighting or fights. Um, Do you get more in depth with, like, getting in contact with certain fighters so you have more connections because of this page or you know what's the benefits of you having this page that's my question
2: thanks man um i mean this is our website we are mmafighting.com mmafighting.com was around long before i was covering the sports um yeah we're not promoting we don't promote we give you the news we break fights we do interviews we Preview cards. We tell you what's going on in the world of MMA. We host shows like this. We preview events. We talk the fallout of events. We have all different shows. We have the, we have the biggest freaking MMA show on planet Earth on our website with Ariel's MMA Hour. Uh, we do it all. We do it all. Uh, we get dirty if we need to. We, we do whatever needs to be done. We do it all. So... We try to tell you what's happening. We use some of these shows and these platforms to go more in depth with certain things. And yeah, that's, that's it. We are, if you want to know about MMA, you want to know what's going on in the world of MMA, come to us and we'll tell you. And that's it. Appreciate the question. Appreciate all the questions today. Very busy show. Uh, Once again, BTL, 1 PM Eastern, me and Jed shooting the breeze for about an hour about many, many things, including what's going on with the whole UFC gambling scandal and James Krause and all that. Uh, We'll obviously talk 282. We'll talk Bellator 289. We'll talk the UFC 282 car. We'll talk about the main event. We'll talk about all of it. We'll talk about all of it for as long as time allows, ladies and gentlemen. And then tomorrow, very busy day. We'll be back here probably around the same time, 10 a.m. Eastern. Then the UFC 282 weigh-ins will go down noon Eastern time. We'll have a preview show not long after that to get you ready for UFC 282. We'll have all your Bellator 289 coverage. Then my ass is up 3.30 Saturday morning. Off to Savannah Airport. Off to New York City for the UFC 282 watch party. Very excited to be back in studio with my man GC. We'll have some special guests along the way joining us to watch some fights. And you'll hopefully join us as well because we have a lot of fun doing that show. So strap up. We got a very busy weekend ahead of us. So, thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your day. And as always, have a heck of a morning, everybody.